0: Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. The American student debt crisis has become a truly massive $1.5 trillion problem in recent years. Fortunately, the federal government has provided some important relief in the form of a national pause in student loan payments that's been effective since last year. And while it's expected that the pause will end in early 2022, the Biden administration has recently taken some extremely promising steps to improve the National Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program that's designed to help millions of borrowers who work in government and other public service jobs. Recently, to get a better handle on this situation, I sat down with Attorney Rochelle Sparko the director of North Carolina Policy for the Center for Responsible Lending. And as she told me, there are some steps many borrowers can take to ease their loan burden and some steps policymakers should take to improve the system. Well, Rochelle Sparko, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you back with us.
1: Thanks for having me, Rob. It's good to be here.
0: So today we're going to talk about student loans, which is increasingly recognized, I think, across the country as a huge problem. Indeed, some might say a crisis in our economy, in our education system. Can you lay out in broad strokes sort of what's going on in America these days with student loans? I think we all sort of perceive that there are an awful lot of people who are unable to make their student loan payments, who are drowning in student loan debt, maybe who got into student loan debt in a way that they shouldn't have because of they were preyed upon by predatory institutions. Talk to us sort of where things stand these days.
1: Sure. Yeah. So here in North Carolina, we have about 1.3 million student loan borrowers who owe about $48 billion in student loan debt. What that means is that on average, a borrower in North Carolina owes slightly over $36,000 after they separate from their academic program. It's a lot of money um, and people are starting out lives and careers with an albatross of debt hanging around their necks. And we've seen and heard from folks and data show that the cost of schooling, post-secondary schooling, has gone up at a rate that wages do not keep up with. And so the experience of a student loan borrower today is not the experience I had as a student loan borrower 20 years ago when I was graduating and is certainly not the experience my parents had when they graduated oftentimes with little to no student loan debt.
0: Right, right. And so things haven't gotten any better during COVID, right? I assume that the, that the recession that was spawned by the pandemic has just exacerbated the situation Uh, Yeah, so what's been interesting
1: about the pandemic is that the federal government now directly makes a pretty substantial percentage. We think somewhere around 85% of student loans directly to students, which leaves a decent percentage that are made by other institutions, sometimes banks, sometimes the academic institutions themselves, sometimes non-bank lenders. But the vast majority of this market is, is coming from the Department of Education directly And they suspended most student loan payments toward the beginning of the pandemic. And so it's actually been a very interesting time right now where you see folks who are unable to pay because they've lost employment or are making less money than they were before the pandemic started, who are sort of being carried along by this payment pause. The pause is for everybody. You didn't Mm -hmm. have to do anything to get it. And so even for folks who've had ongoing employment and financially have been okay, or the same as they were before the pandemic, they're also not being required to make payments right now. Um, And for some folks, it's actually detrimental to be making payments. And so what you're actually seeing for a a substantial number of student loan borrowers is that this past year and a half has been better financially for them because they're not making that sometimes $400, $500, $800 a month payment. Like they're not suffering for it. They're not being reported to credit reporting bureaus. They're not being assessed late fees or, or accruing interest on those payments.
0: Well, that's one small uh, salve on the wounds of the of the pandemic. Do we have any idea what the Alice is going to go on or what what are the prospects for this hiatus that's been in existence?
1: Yeah, it appears pretty clear that the hiatus will end at the end of January and that student loan borrowers will go back into repayment in early 2022. And so we saw as we collectively shut down all of the student or almost all of the student loan payments in the country, it did not go totally smoothly. You know, there've been some lawsuits to try and correct problems that there were and the department of education has intervened occasionally to make things better for folks. We're extremely concerned about turning on every student loan payment in the country all at once. That's a much more complicated process than just turning them all off right. um, because different borrowers have different repayment plans. Their financial circumstances may have changed in the last year and a half. And they may qualify for different options in terms of repayment plans, forbearances, deferrals. And so every student loan borrower is likely to need some kind of contact with their servicer as they enter repayment to make sure that that goes well. And servicers have not demonstrated that they have the capacity and know how to do that well.
0: Another aspect to this whole issue of student loan debt is that we have for a long time in the United States had a program in existence, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. That the idea being that if you went into public service job, you could get some of your debt forgiven eventually. My understanding from you is that this program has been pretty ineffective and underutilized, but there have perhaps been some hopeful signs of late that maybe we're going to make it work a little better.
1: Yeah, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program has been around for a little over 10 years now and gave hope to a lot of folks who'd taken on a great deal of student loan debt in order to go to college, but who had dreams of government service, of any kind, military service, working at the General Assembly, and folks who wanted to go and work for nonprofit organizations. If you worked at a food bank, if you wanted to go work for, say, the North Carolina Justice Center. You know that that you would be able to take what we assume to be and and find to be a a lower salary than the market rate and still be able to afford your student loans by getting set up into an income-based repayment plan, where if you made 10 years or 120 payments on time in the amount of your income-based repayment plan, that whatever was outstanding at the end of those 120 payments would then be forgiven. So this created a really meaningful pathway for folks to be teachers, firefighters, policy advocates.
0: Um,
1: And unfortunately, at the sort of first cohort of folks that were eligible for forgiveness at the end of 10 years, the data showed that about 2% of them actually Mm. were able to obtain forgiveness. So 98% of people who've been working in what they thought and had been often told was qualifying employment for 10 years, making smaller, payments, uh, income-based repayments, found at the end of those 10 years that they were left holding more debt often than they had started with. The interest, they were paying less than a full principal and interest payment during those 10 years. And it created an enormous problem, an economic problem for a lot of people who'd been doing really good public service work for a really long time.
0: Yeah, that's really disappointing. Well, we understand, though, that the Biden administration has taken charge, of course, of the Department of Education over the last several months and has at least preliminarily indicated that they're going to make some changes that might alleviate some of these concerns. Is that a fair assessment of where things stand?
1: I think it's even better than that, Rob. It's, they've, they did a, an assessment of the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program over the course of the summer and solicited comments from advocates and student loan borrowers directly about what the problems were with the program and how to fix those. And last week, they issued a statement that they're overhauling the program. And some aspects of that overhaul are going to take place in the next couple of weeks or months. Basically, what they've done is they've opened up a year-long window of opportunity. So until October of next year, folks who think that they ought to qualify for public service loan forgiveness have an opportunity to reach out to the Department of Education proactively if they need to, right, if they've not Uh, signed up for public service loan forgiveness in the past, or if they've been told that their loans, the type of loan they have, doesn't qualify them for public service loan forgiveness, they have a year to basically get their house in order and qualify for PSLF and qualify all of their previous payments potentially as public service loan forgiveness payments. And so this is a really, really big deal, particularly for people who are a little bit older Um, who graduated or separated from their academic institution sometime around 2010. There's a whole sort of group of loans called FELL loans or federal family education loans that have been not eligible for PSLF. And one of the things that Ed heard when they asked for comments from borrowers and advocates this summer was that a lot of loan servicers who who service those FELL loans have been incorrectly telling borrowers that they don't qualify for PSLF and stopping the conversation there. And so these borrowers have continued to make full payments on their loans for years and have no prospect of the forgiveness that folks who are a little bit younger could qualify for or who went to school a bit later. One of the big things that this overhaul will do over the course of the next 12 months is enable folks to consolidate their FELL loans into direct loans and count their previous payments while they were still FELL loans toward PSLF forgiveness. So this could mean that for folks who got out of school more than 10 years, 10 years or more ago, that by consolidating their debt, letting Ed know that they're interested in PSLF forgiveness, they could end up debt-free by this time next year.
0: If we had a listener who was going, hey, that might apply to me, we're going to learn more about that. Is there a place to direct people to get more information?
1: There is. The website that you can go to to kind of raise your hand and wave at the Department of Education is studentaid.gov backslash PSLF.
0: Wow, that's great. We'll put that on the Policy Watch website too and let Thanks. people know about that. We're coming to the end of our time with Rochelle Sparko, who's the Director of North Carolina Policy at the Center for Responsible Lending. You can find out more about that organization at responsiblelending.org. Rochelle, talk to us about where we go from here. This is a great improvement that's been made in the federal program, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, but I gather there's more that needs to be done, perhaps both at the federal and state levels. What would you identify as some of the key priorities going forward so that we could make even more improvements to the way student loans and student loan debt are dealt with in this state and nation?
1: Thanks, Rob. That's a really great question because, again, this PSLF overhaul is temporary. There's this year-long window where folks can take action to count payments or change their loan type, but it's just for this year. It's not going to last. So there is absolutely a great deal that still needs to be done at the federal and state levels to protect student loan borrowers. The PSLF problems are not confined to public service loan forgiveness. Servicers give misinformation, or fail to provide information at all to borrowers regularly. And it's really bad and frustrating for folks who are already burdened by a great deal of debt. So one of the things that we at the Center for Responsible Lending have been working on here in North Carolina is legislation that would give borrowers and the Attorney General's Office the ability to sue student loan servicers or bad acts, like giving misinformation or misreporting folks to credit bureaus, which can damage your ability to get housing, jobs, credit. And it would also mm-hmm. create oversight at the commissioner of banks, which is our banking regulator. Um, and they also regulate mortgage loan servicers already to just take make sure someone in North Carolina is opening up the books of these loan servicers and making sure that they're doing things right and telling them to take corrective action when they find that things have been done incorrectly. And PSLF is just a single example of a program that has not met its promise because of bad servicing or negligent servicing. And we just really think that there is so much still yet more to do for folks who don't qualify for public service loan forgiveness, but who do need good information from their servicer.
0: Rochelle Sparco is the director of North Carolina Policy at the Center for Responsible Lending. She works on an array of critically important consumer protection issues. She's one of the top consumer watchdogs in our state check out her organization at responsiblelending.org Rochelle. Please keep raising heck and fighting the good fight. And we really appreciate you coming on News and Views. We'll talk again uh, later this year, perhaps.
1: That sounds great. Thanks so much, Rob.
0: Coming up next, I'll talk to the author of a new and important book about racism in America, who offers a hopeful and patriotic assessment of the work we still need to tackle. Stay with us.